learning happens when all things come together and what can only be described as perfect chaos. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Perfect Chaos Podcast. It's Rhonda and David. Together we make up the Perfect Chaos team. Perfect Chaos not only represents how we started this, but also who we are. Rhonda is an assistant professor of education at a local university, and I'm a program director and professor at a nearby community college. Our backgrounds are diverse, ranging from sociology, criminal justice, fire and emergency medical services, to emergency management, and together, education. And this comes together in our perfect chaos. So this week, we're going to take a look at what education means, what schooling means, and how they differ. It's something that I teach in my Foundations of Education class. It's always really interesting to hear from the students how they differentiate between the two. And we'll be right back with the discussion after the messages from our sponsors. We are Rhonda and David, and this is our perfect chaos. All right, so this week, as you said, we're going to be talking about education and schooling. And uh, whenever we talk about something that uh, we look at the differentiation, the first thing that we have to do is, is define those. So if you would go ahead and talk about what your definition is that you use in your foundations class for education. All right, so when, when we talk about this in foundations, and we do it fairly early in the semester, um, so because I really want them to kind of get their head wrapped around this thought process. So I always ask the students, in one word, tell me what education is. And it's really interesting, the variety of answers that I get. Uh, And then we talk through the definition of education that I use. And for my class, the definition of education that I utilize is education is learning. It's where learning happens, when learning happens, the process of learning. And that process can really happen pretty much anywhere. It's not a requirement that you're in a classroom. Right. Uh, And that's kind of the first thing that I'm trying to get them to understand. It's always really interesting, though, to watch their faces as they start to grasp that concept. So I go back to when I taught criminal justice and we talked about uh, different types of evidence and one of them being trace evidence. Right. And trace evidence is basically you leave a piece of yourself on everything you touch and everything you touch stays with you. Um, That's a really simplified version. There's a ton. um, There's a ton of theories and ways and, and different names that we can call that. But just the general existence is that everything we touch, everything we come in contact with, we leave. Um, a piece of ourselves. And so that's what I use as my example when we talk about education. And to see my students start to realize that they are contributing to the education of the people around them as well, right? So we tend to think, especially as we go through uh, the P-12 school, it's set up to be very hierarchical, right? The principal's at the top. Then if you have some assistant principals, then you have department heads. If, if your school has those or lead teachers, then you have the rest of the teachers. Students are down there, right? Uh, we set up the classroom in that way a lot of times. 
where the teacher is at the front and the teacher's job is to lecture from the front and the student's job is to sit at their desk and learn. Um, so it's really, really interesting when we start talking through this uh, to watch the students start to realize that education doesn't just come from a teacher, uh, that it's so much more than that. So part of that is that, uh, as you mentioned, the teacher's in front of the classroom, but uh, depending on how you have assignments set up, how you have things set up, that teacher for the day may be one of the students in the classroom. And, and a student or even the teacher may learn something that day. Oh, yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons why I start this very early in Foundations is because typically Foundations is the first education class these students have had. Um, they all know they want to be teachers or at least think they want to be teachers. It's not really one of those classes that gets taken as an elective um, just for anybody. Um and so they're in there to kind of dip their toe into the field of education. And one of my beliefs about education and the whole, the educational system that we have is that for us to be effective as teachers, we also have to recognize our position as learners. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I hit this super early on in class, because I really want them to start wrapping their heads around that, that you learn from everybody that you come into contact with, much like trace evidence. So it's one of those things that, uh, in in theory, you can actually change the, the name from an educator to one that facilitates education. Right, Some somebody that that teaches you something. Now, the one thing that I always make sure and tell them is there is good education and there's bad education. It's still education. You're still learning something. So when you, it, it kind of goes back talking about Edison and the light bulb, you know, they talk about how many times he failed at making a light bulb. And if you asked him about the times, he just figured out a hundred different ways not to make a light bulb. So right. even bad education can, it, it, it's kind of like those negative reinforcements. You know, something bad happens to you, you have the pain, you learn not to do that again. Right. I mean, and there's, there are a ton of things that have been invented, uh, things that we use all over the place that came because of a failed attempt at something. I actually think the waffle cone is one of those, which may be one of my favorite failed attempts at things. I could be wrong, but for some reason that's sticking out in my head that the waffle cone was a failure at attempting to make something else. I may be wrong. It was really flat waffles, so one way or another, he may have been trying to make a waffle and said, hey, let's do this. Uh, I don't you know, never really... but I am all about a waffle cone. But <laughs> it's funny, as I, was, as I was preparing for this episode, one of the things uh, that came up when uh, looking at the definition of education, because it really kind of had the first part, and it did say that, uh, you know, at, at times it's got a systematic approach usually associated with schools or, or universities, which is where most people tie and will go into that just will be next, but the the next one was basically just an enlightening experience, uh, and, and I think that's really kind of a, a coin that goes there. Is it, it's something that gives us a, a eureka? You know, we we have something new, right? And it's really important as we talk about this today, and as we go out and educate, and as we are people and parents and colleagues and coworkers and. You know, I call myself a student of life a lot. Um, 
But it's really important that we do keep in mind that concept that sometimes those eureka moments aren't learning how to do things. Sometimes it's learning what not to do. Sometimes it could be a negative experience that we learn from, and that's still part of it. That's still a piece of the education. So before we get into the difference between education and schooling, now we need to define the second term here. So let's go ahead and define schooling. Um, so my favorite definition of schooling comes from a student that I had a couple years ago when we were talking about this, and we were talking through what education is, and I said, now what's schooling? And he goes, well, if education is life, then I guess schooling is reading, writing, and arithmetic. And he's kind of right. Schooling is what happens systematically within a school. Now, that is still education. Schooling is still education. Um, but it was, in its very simplest terms, schooling is reading, writing, and arithmetic. So, again, looking up, uh, you know, in preparation for this episode, basically just said education or training received. Right. So it's one of those, you know, there's all these things out in the world that all of one thing are another thing, but not all of the other thing are the first thing. Right. Um, the one that is in my mind is so not appropriate. Uh, it's the one that our daughter uses all the time that apparently was common knowledge. I guess I'll just go on and use it, though, that um, speaking of our daughter, she's poking her head in. So she's about to laugh at me. The whole all bourbons are whiskey, but not all whiskeys are bourbon. Um, that's kind of the thing with education and schooling. All schooling is education, but not all education is schooling. Right. And that's so that gets into those negative experiences a lot of times, the, the opportunities that we go in and do things that aren't, uh, that aren't uh, formalized, uh, that are not, you know, looking at how we don't do something. Again, going back to the Edison and, and his light bulb. You know, it's the process of education through the uh, multiple times of learning how not to do something is how we do. And so just go ahead and, and tie back just a minute. And the answer is yes, you're absolutely correct about the waffle cone, by the way. Am I? I'm right on the waffle cone? It is. It goes back to the World's Fair in 1904. And uh, evidently at that point in time, ice cream was sold in dishes. And there were so many cells at this individual's uh, uh, booth. That he ran out of dishes to sell it in, so he wrapped uh, waffle cones up, or waffles up and made waffle cones. So, uh, so you were right there. I love it when I'm right. I like to hear you say that I'm right too. That always makes me happy. It was one of those formalized education or not formalized education processes as we do this. So, so yeah, yes. That as we get into the definition between the two, you know that that schooling term we learn. But uh, we get into that education, uh, it may or may not be schooling because, again, we're learning how not to do something. When you, it's the whole uh, measure twice, cut once, you know, things that you don't really think about. Well, I mean, and in, in, in actuality, education happens all the time, all day, every day, everywhere we go, 
right? You learn something. Um, I was driving down the road the other day and I learned real quick not to try to change lanes where I, where I was trying to change lanes because there's a big pothole in the middle of the road. So, you know, after thinking I had broken the axle on the Tahoe, you know, okay, I've learned something. <laughs> it wasn't a positive experience, but it was definitely an education. Well, and, and here recently, as I uh, had the opportunity to be back in the classroom uh, in one of our locations, I was talking about lifespan development. We were talking about uh, the growth and development at each kind of age range for a kid so uh, or for an individual. So these uh, providers would know, you know, if they, they went on one-year-old versus a three-year-old versus a five-year-old. And it kind of gets into those that they learn stuff at the very beginning without the cognitive capabilities. They just learn out of in- instinct to say, hey, I'm going to pull up on this coffee table and, and learn to walk. There, there's no formal education there. There's no schooling. There's no teaching going on, passing from one to the other. That that uh, infant is just doing out of instinct. And then they start to develop the cognitive abilities. And with each of those days that grow, they have more and more inputs that are going in. Ow, this hurts. Don't do it. Or I get quicker from point A to point B if I do this. And then after that, that curiosity and stuff and so those are all those informal educations. and Well, and it's really interesting that you use walking because walking is one of those things that it's informal when we first learn to walk. But if you were to be in an auto accident or to have a stroke or to have something that caused you to have to relearn to walk, then it is very much an intentional formal process of, you know, having somebody standing there and, and helping you take a step and... So it's also interesting to look at how that process changes as we go through life. In addition to with what we're doing, too. So if you're, you know, me and you walking down the, the road, we don't need anybody. But if we are joining a track team, you know, you have somebody that's... I am not joining a track team. You you have somebody that's monitoring <laughs> each and every stride that you... And, hey, we need to change this, you know, and, and go to that formal... that. Right. Educational realm. It's like, right. hey, this is why, you know, you need to do this and this is why. Right. So it not only do they differ, but it's also interesting to watch how they will come back and converge. Um, a lot of times we need schooling to enhance the education that we've that we're receiving just in life. So I, I wanted to... I found one spot that basically just had a uh, two-word versus two-word comparison when, when taking it out of schooling or education and schooling a little bit more and just says knowledge acquired versus a formal process. Okay. So education being that knowledge acquired and then schooling being that formal process. So the formal process, as you mentioned, the, the reading, writing, and arithmetic, you're going in, sitting in a classroom, P12, higher ed, um, you know, higher head, you know, has a little bit more open function where you can choose. Might be a homeschooling classroom, right, private right. school. But it's a, you know. But it's a, it's a formalized process right. um, of the teacher, regardless of whether that teacher is professor, homeschool, it, it doesn't matter. But the person in the teaching role um, is going to deliver information and it is the student's job to take notes, record, whatever they need to do so that they will retain that information and be able to utilize the information. 
Uh, so it's not even necessarily, and I know this kind of gets into the next question, but it's not even just that we're asking people to retain when we're talking about school. Um, if you can retain how to, let's say I was going to show somebody, teach somebody how to hook a garden hose to a faucet. That's great if you can retain it. But if then you can't actually put it into practice and hook the garden hose to the faucet, we still haven't really accomplished what we needed to accomplish. So as, as much as we uh, love the uh, hierarchy, that would be just, you know, the, the knowledge level versus the application level. And, you know, going into that formal process, are we making sure that our curricula actually has the right level of knowledge or right level of material to get you to the right level as well? Right. And are we scaffolding on what we know? Because um, that's the other piece is being able to connect one piece of knowledge to another. And while that doesn't happen solely in schooling, that is one of the pieces that that we're trying to get across is how to make those connections and how to take it and apply it. And that's where you get into some of the programs like both yours and mine. You know, uh, my programs have not only di the didactic component where we're telling them what they should know. Then and what they need to do. And then we have the second part where they get into the lab where they now get into the, we start to put those into practice in a uh, controlled setting. And then lastly, we send them out to see if they can do so. And then, and then that feedback cycle continues. They come back yes or no. And we, we build on that to the either higher level in that one specific skill or add additional skills on top of that. Right. And then you all have, you know, your classes, and then they go out and do student teaching or various Right, we have teaching. classes, we have practicum experiences, um, you know, as they progress through classes in the education department, where in foundations, you know, they may present something once or twice. By the time they get to the semester before student teaching, you know, they're presenting a lot in, their, in different courses. So uh, it is definitely something that we're building on, you know, trying to create those experience experiences, also trying to give them feedback on those experiences, um, which has been a really interesting thing to try to do in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you know, I know for your students, it has taken on some interesting challenges, but in general, they're still getting their clinical experiences. We, um, we had to shut down for a little while as... Everybody was trying to learn and figure out how to operate in the the day to day, but right. then because you know we're involved with healthcare, these individuals were out there anyways, and right. So, so one of the things that has happened for hours, um, and this has been where I feel like something that was more of a schooling situation is taking on a little bit of a broader education viewpoint. So in my foundations class, for practicum experiences, we used to, uh, prior to last spring, we took them to different schools um, around the area. Um, they went to, to several different schools. They had to go to two different schools. Uh, we gave them five or six, just depending on how many students we had, opportunities and, and schools at multiple different levels. So like you couldn't go to two elementary schools. You had to do things differently. And so when the pandemic hit, the problem is that now we can't go into schools. 
I can't take 30 college students into a school because they are trying very hard to limit the people that are coming in, which I totally get. Um, so one of the things that we've done for foundations has been to change that and give them the opportunity to, I want you to watch video of teaching. And when we came up with that, um, my co- it was my colleague's idea for how we could replace practicum. And one of the things we talked about was, well, do we give them video? And, and he said, no. He said, let's open it up. And they can watch any video of teaching, good or bad, fiction or nonfiction. And then they write about it and they tell, I mean, you know, there's several pretty pointed questions and asking. But it's been interesting to watch them take things like maybe a scene from Harry Potter that's in a classroom and relate that back, you know, from this fictional, magical world of Hogwarts into, but what could this look like in a regular classroom and and what are the things you notice? And so in that set, I really feel like it's gone from where we were taking field trips and then we would sit in a cl- I would sit in the classroom and we would debrief and okay what did you see and it was very teacher led as far as the discussion afterwards to something that's becoming much more organic and and almost leaving that realm of schooling and going more into education well this is one that I I go back to uh when I was first becoming a firefighter and, and went to the state fire academy for our checkoff weekend. Uh, we'd been going through locally and there was so much there. And when we got to go to this event, uh, you know, we were tied to one of our training instructors. And when we got done with the evolution, he said, no, the only thing he said is, all right, guys, good, bad, and ugly and let us grade. And it's one of those things that, uh, you know, at that point in time, I really didn't understand it, but it really kind of shaped some of the stuff that I do now. And because we're doing something very similar to what you are is uh, I let these guys know. I'm like, hey, you all have the score sheets. You you have them accessed just like I would score you. There are plenty there. The amount of content that is available on YouTube to, at any given time and um, other platforms, they could go on there <clears throat> and uh, take a look at patient assessments that are being done. Right. And I've been, I, as I've mentioned this before, people are like, well, we need to go and make sure and give them the links to the ones we want them to see. I'm like, no, let them go to all of them. And what I want you to do is come back. He's like, look, I watched this one that, uh, you know, David did and this 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 were wrong. Because if they can, do that, that goes back to what you're talking about with the water hose. Now it's not just the fact that they understand what the concept behind it is. They know how to hook it up and utilize it. Right. Right. So that, um, and I do, schooling is education. Uh, you know, we know that, but other than the, the difference in definition just between, um, knowledge attained or, and formal process, right? That was the two that you used, knowledge attained and formal process. In between just the difference in that, education to me takes us to another level. Um, that maybe sometimes we don't hit with schooling. You know, hearing you say that, the the first thing that comes to my mind is 
we grade an assignment to see how much they've retained. And we focus on that because that grade going forward is, you know, whether they're going to be successful or not. But how do we use that that they got wrong to motivate them? You know, on the schooling side, so okay, they, they retained 80%, and so we're moving forward and moving on to the next thing, but you know, do we just drop off that other 20%? And that's where we say, you know, hey, let's take a look at that question you got wrong and see. And sometimes in the discussion that we have, there's actually a rational thought there, and it actually could build on to what we are currently doing as well. Right. Definitely. So what are we actually trying to accomplish in the classroom? In my classroom, I want education. I want it to go beyond schooling. I want it to be organic. I want it to flow. Um, I am the world's worst. So fun fact about me, when I first started teaching and I was teaching criminal justice at the college level, I lesson planned on post-its. Because on any given day, I would just move stuff around depending on what was going on in the world. Um, and then when I started teaching high school, my principal came in and he said, hey, show me your lesson plan. And I opened up this book and it just had all these post-its in it. And he said, what's that? I said, that's all the different lessons. And he said, no, 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 you have to actually like plan it out. I said, but I don't want to. I like doing it this way. We start the discussion and then I let it happen I let it go where it's going to go because then I can hit the things that my students are asking questions about now as I went on I I definitively now understand the importance of actually lesson planning especially in a in really in any classroom but especially in a um, public school kind of kind of classroom in that p12 setting and why we don't just let things happen totally organically but I do, excuse me, I do still like that piece of it. Um, I want, you know, everybody, a lot of teachers have that sign on the wall that in this classroom we, right? And then it lists all these things. And one of the things, if I had that sign on the wall in my classroom, it would say, in this classroom we learn from each other. Because I do feel like everybody's got something to bring to the table. I may be the the content expert, but I'm not the only one that's had experiences, especially in the classes I'm teaching with educational technology and foundations of education. These kids have been students. That's how they got to college. So they, they have experiences to bring. They have knowledge to bring um, that can be super, super helpful uh, for their peers. Now, this is one of those that, uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny that uh, as I was flipping through great movie content uh, today for us. Oh, my word, you're never getting the remote control again. <laughs> but uh, one, of the, one of the ones that was there that uh, was uh, available was Dead Poets Society. So we took a, take a look at Robin Williams in the classroom. Oh, and, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> oh, Captain. And so we take a look at the, their very end and... In there, he basically says, you know, basically when he was getting fired and was leaving, he's like, you know, I learned as much from you all as you all hopefully learned from me. Right. 
And so if we take a look, you know, a little bit ago, I, I mentioned uh, Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy need, and then we talk about Bloom's taxonomy as well. And you take a look at the top of those two, Bloom's being the educational growth and development versus um, the uh, Maslow's side, both of the tops, if you take a look, are, are very similar. You know, in, in Bloom's, we're talking about evaluation, and that part is they're able to recite, they're able to do, they're able to take that into multiple concepts, and they're able to review other people there. We're in self-actualization is kind of that infinite period of, of joy and bliss that we have everything that we possibly need. Right. And by kind of creating that guided educational pathway or the, edu- or the, the, uh, the guided schooling pathway where we're not afraid to, to go out on a rabbit hole when one of the students takes us there, we grow. Right. And when I say that it's happening organically, trust me, I've got the lesson planned out. Uh, I have, at the beginning of the semester, I actually am one of those professors that gives you the whole course calendar. And this is what we're going to talk about each day, you know, topics, that kind of thing. Um because I don't use a textbook, I use articles, so I kind of I have to plan those things out. Um, but I think it's important that we acknowledge that organic learning, organic education, can and should happen within the realm of schooling if we'll let it. And that's I think where some. So here's the thing, in in talking to people over the years, one of the things that I've kind of heard, well, really kind of two things. The first one is I'm the teacher and you all listen to what I say, right? The, we don't eat together, we don't go out and hang out together, we don't, you you do what I say and that's the sum all. The definitive hierarchy. Right. And if you go back to higher education Many years ago, and I think we actually mentioned this on last week's episode as well, but if you go back to the origins of higher education, you know, the professors were in the same environment that the students were in. Right. They lived on campus. They ate in the same places. Now, there were boundaries, and those are set by by different areas, but they were involved. They were there in the growth. They were there in not only the schooling side, but the, but the education side. But the education side right. as well. And the other side of that is the rabbit holes. We have so many things that we have to accomplish that for me to say we can go take 10 minutes to let this play out is a bad thing when really it is not. Right. And what what I have found is if you set that culture up in your classroom to where you can explore the rabbit holes, as long as the rabbit holes are not, you know, when you say what's two plus two and or they you've been talking about what two plus two is and you say, does anybody have questions? And they're like, what color is the lake in Mexico? Yeah, no, that's not the rabbit hole. Right. But if you set that culture, that that piece of, you know, I want to learn from you guys as well, that that lead in to those organic discussions happening. For the most part, your my students at least will stay with where we're trying to go. 
they're not going to just take us off into left field. Now, I have been accused of taking us off into left field. Could be because I can relate every single concept I teach back to SEC football. And the fact that even on this one, even though we have some planning, we got into the fact of going back to the 1904 World's Fair and the development of waffle cones. But it was an example. It, it was, and, and but uh, it, it kind of goes back to the uh, you know the cliche statement that a student uh, doesn't care to, about how much you know until you know, they know how much you care uh, until they know right. about how much you care, and that's one of those things. So if it's that <laughs> environment where you say, "I am the teacher," you will listen, you will do this, you will do that. You've got this grade. There is no additional or extraneous discussions. Um, that, that is that. Well, and, and it's really interesting. So there is a Ted talk that I always show. Um, I actually show it in every one of my classes. So people that have had me for multiple classes get to see it multiple times, but it's Rita Pearson's Ted talk, uh, teach like a champion, I think is what the name, I don't remember what the name of it is, but we'll put that one down in the show notes. Uh, cause it's an amazing Ted talk. Uh, it's, it's just seven minutes, I think. But one of the things she says in there is that another teacher came up to her and said, it's my job to teach. It's their job to learn. I don't have to like them. And Rita Pearson said she looked at her, you know, and they had a little bit of discussion. And she basically said, well, if that's really what you believe, you are going to have a long and arduous year. If that's what you believe, you're going to have a long and arduous career. It's it's kind of funny to have that thought process um, because that's really kind of places the uh, environment that we're in in the wrong discussion. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those that uh, you know. In, in every our, kid needs a champion. Every kid needs a champion, and that's you know when you take a look at our profession, one of the things they take a look at, and and I've actually seen this on a couple of things. It's like uh, the patient that uh, calls is not a disruption of your job. They are your job. Right. And without the patients, uh, you know, my profession goes away. Without us having somebody coming into our classroom, we don't have a job. So I have to care about you. And, you know, if we have that mindset that they don't have to like us... And, I'm not focused on every day having everybody like me because you're not going to have everybody right. like you. But if you have that mentality that you don't have any compassion for your students at all beyond there, then yes, your year is going to be arduous, it's going to be hard. But right, I've looked up the transcript. What the colleague and I'm reading, I'm reading this off the transcript. The colleague said they don't pay me to like the kids; they pay me to teach a lesson. The kids should learn it. I should teach it. They should learn it. Case closed. And Rita Pearson said to her, you know, kids don't learn from people they don't like. And the colleague said, that's just a bunch of hooey. Okay, so this is what I will say to that. That is nothing more than schooling. It's not even really good schooling, but it is definitively within that schooling category. Um, I am not friends with my students. They are not who I'm calling to go out you know, let's go have uh, have a coffee when I'm having a bad day. Now, will I go have coffee with my students? Yes, I do that probably about once a month. I'll tell them, hey, I'm going to go here if anybody wants to come. But as far as being friends, no. And that's not what I'm advocating. 
but there's a difference between being friends and being friendly. Uh, and if you are, they don't pay me to like the kids. They pay me to teach a lesson. That's so, not even friendly. So take a look at this. And, and I'm sure if I was to say, hey, get a pencil and a piece of paper out, write down the three teachers in your educational history that were the most impactful on you positively. And what are the three that were the most impactful on you negatively? Right. And I guarantee you that none of it would come back to the content of what they taught. Oh, it no. would come back to how it was delivered. And was it done in a way that encouraged learning or did it come out that they were just trying to put information across? I, I remember I had a, a uh, the, the first semester of my freshman year, I had a science in teacher high school. in high school. Uh, I had a science teacher. And one of the things he said at the very beginning was, I want to teach one of two ways. It's either going to be very funny or very disgusting. Why? Because you're going to remember it. And I remember more from his classroom than I do many others. The second semester, I ended up in another uh, class. Uh, and I remember being in that classroom. But, but I don't, don't remember what you content. Learned. Right. This is two weeks in a row you've talked about science teachers you've had. Oh, you know, and I love science. I And I had some of the best ones that were out there. I mean, how many of them, like I said, let you go out on the... How many people, by the way, get to go out on the football field and use it for water balloon uh, throws? But, you know, we had... We, got we weren't allowed on the football field, but that's a whole other conversation. I figured that now that they have a turf field uh, at, our, at our school, happen. yeah, they probably wouldn't do it. Now, granted, that, that teacher is, is uh, uh, long since retired, but... Uh, but he is still a legend. Yeah. Because one of my colleagues used to work with him. Okay. He is still a legend oh. in that school system. And, and you know, but, and, and you know, that, that guy sat behind his desk. He was this gruff old dude, right? He'd been around. He taught my sister and and, uh, and, and been around. This is uh, one that I had in my junior and senior year. You know, he was just back there. And But the thing was, he did these little things that, like he had a barometer on the wall, and anybody that was interested in weather, we'd always go over and talk about what we thought our, our weather projections from the day were, and would take a look at just a couple of the things that we had, from the 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 look in the sky to the barometric pressure. That's funny. And, My students ask me what the weather's going to be too, but it's because of my knees. Well, that's a, but you know, it was that that he you know he would tie in, and like I said, just right. the the little things, and. You know, it's so going he, beyond just what the standards say. Right. And to me, um, when I say I want education to happen in my classroom, that's what I mean. I want it to be more than just this is the standard and I've taught it to you. Um, this is the objective and we hit it, so we're good to go. I want my classroom to be more than that. So what you're saying is you want to be more than... Uh, just the opportunity to hand them a piece of paper and a recording to say, this is what it is. Right. And several years ago, back, um, I had not even gone back to finish my bachelor's yet. And I was substitute teaching. And, you know, when you substitute teach, you get a lot of different perspectives. Right. And I substitute taught. Um, I was open, open to do the, every school in the county, every grade. And so I got to see a lot of different things. And at one elementary school in particular, 
they called me and had me come in the day that they were having some kind of meeting. It was little 15 minute meetings with all the teachers. So legitimately I spent between 15 and 30 minutes in every classroom that day, uh, just going around the school. And it was amazing to look at the differences. And that was when the scripted lessons were big. You got a teacher's edition and it had a script in it and everybody had that teacher's, <laughs> excuse me, everybody had that teacher's edition. But it was very interesting to see which teachers were just reading that script and which teachers were taking that script and making it fit their students in their classroom. And to me, if what we want in our classroom is education, that's where we start seeing the change. Is, is it, are we doing the scripted version or are we making it fit the experiences of the children in our classroom. So this is where we kind of go back to our last episode as well in talking about the standardized test. It's, is everybody learning the exact same way by the, by the exact same comments? Or are they learning? Are they, you know, being educated? Are they receiving that that goes beyond that ABCD answer to being able to employ that. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I've, I've joked about and it would be great to see uh, now with the fact that I've gotten in <laughs> to a wreck here in the last couple of years, but it's the, uh, I've, I've long since said those that have better understanding of geometry uh, it or would be better drivers because they understand, you know, dis, you know, calculating distances in their head and, and what it takes to go from, from, point a to point b how'd that work for you <laughs> With, <laughs> just out of curiosity how, how well did that understanding of geometry work for that little red car you had oh thank you thank you for that and that was a hey people in front of you stopped while you're trying to actually do what you're supposed to and make sure things are good so that that's a different story but you know but but again understanding how things work and, and <coughs> relaying them to day-to-day -day life. You know, a lot of times we have the question from our son uh, who is constantly thinking, constantly learning, you know, while he loves to play games, he does watch a lot and, and retain. And uh, right now he, he takes a lot into the, the different, uh, you know, well, why is this? Why is that? And, you know, he's still gaining those about how to tie. Uh, but when he gets that aha moment, it's like, oh, so this is why, you know, why we do this. And that's, that's kind of the, that enlightening experience when everything kind of forms together, once you get that and, and you're able to see that application in use. All right. So <laughs> if we know what we're trying to accomplish in the classroom and hopefully we understand as teachers, uh, the difference between education and schooling, how important is it that our students understand the difference? So for mine, for my students, I think it's extremely important. My students are going to be teachers. So I, I think that is one of the things that they need to learn early and learn well is, is what that difference is. Um, is that the same across the board? So this is actually kind of interesting. I'm, I'm still a concept or a... a assignment that one of our faculty members has their students do. But at the beginning of the year, he gives them an assignment uh, that at the end of the year, 
So it's two semesters beyond where they are when they come in. They've got to do a presentation to the class. And sometimes he actually, you know, uh, pre-COVID times, we actually have some external evaluators that come in that may be service directors, uh, state officials, you know, what. Right. And he gives them a topic. And some of them are controversial. Uh, some of them are not, you know, and they're randomly assigned. And, uh, you know, what does it take to add an extra person onto an ambulance? What does it take, you know, some of these things? And so they get into that research and they have to turn around and teach. And, and one, their understanding of their their understanding of the level of knowledge they have to have to get up in front of a classroom and feel at, you know, somewhat prepared right. is up there. But that ability to synthesize that data and, and be the expert is, you know, they understand early on. And one of the reasons he puts it at the very beginning of the year is now we have to participate. If, right. you, if you give that expectation at the very beginning that, Hey, I'm the facilitator up here. I'm going to take you on these guided lessons and we're going to go off. Then they are going to hopefully prepare more and they have that rabbit hole that they want to go down and they've developed the knowledge and understanding to be able to go down that and justify that. Not just say we're going down the rabbit hole. Here's why we should. Well, and I used to work with an English teacher uh, who is a phenomenal English teacher. Um, he also taught theater. And one of the things, he and I talked a lot because we shared a lot of the same uh, thoughts about being in a classroom and what that looked like and what we wanted our students to get. And um, we worked together on the the forensics team, not the criminal justice forensics, the other forensics, um, which got a little confusing when I was helping him with it because people thought they were going to come in and we were going to do forensics and it was different. But regardless, one of the things we used to have these really good discussions about having debates in class. Um, and it was funny because both of us used debates in class and every time we would do them, we would sit down and we picked the debate teams and we always put the kids on the side that they did not agree with. You know, and I can remember, you know, I just kind of did it because that made sense to me because then you had to learn more about the side that you disagree with. But I can remember him looking at me one time and he goes, I don't want to give them the easy. Giving them the easy is, is giving them the pro that they already believe. He said, I don't want to give them the easy. I want them to think, you know, and... And to me, that was giving our students, and at this point I wasn't teaching education classes, it was giving our students this understanding of the difference between just knowing a standard in schooling and actually gaining an education. Uh, because they were having to push the limits beyond, you know, where they wanted to be and what they wanted to think. Um, and we didn't sit and, and talk about it. You know, we didn't sit in class and talk about the difference between education and schooling. And I think, you know, depending on what you're teaching, sitting and having a discussion probably isn't really something that needs to happen in every class about what's education versus what's schooling. But showing your students and modeling it and pushing them to go beyond just schooling 
and and to to think critically to expand their boundaries i'm not trying to change anybody's mind we didn't put the people that liked it on the con side to try to get them to not like it we put them on there so that they could understand better how the opposing side thought um and what we found was some of the problems in between groups or cliques at our school didn't go away entirely, but they started to dissolve a little because they started to understand more about how to interact with each other and where the other side was coming from. So I do think it's important that they understand the difference, but maybe not necessarily as cut and dry as this is education and this is schooling. And what's funny is what you just mentioned means that this actually applies to and gets into conversations outside of the formal schooling process. So conflict and debate resolution, understanding this and developing that mindset that it's not black and white. Right. And I, you know, I, I remember kind of talking about what you were referring to a minute ago, you know, this, uh, teacher that I had uh, for business law and, and this was in uh, high school as well, you know, as business law and we, we went through all the different terms as far as business and business development, but she knew that, uh, you know, sometimes in business law, everybody kind of related law to law and order and the crimes and, and stuff. So she took it into the classroom side and, and we actually had a trial and, you know, that was it, the bane of my existence. <laughs> And it well, you know, not, you, go to, not you go to the CISI effect not doing and stuff like that. Now. Like mock trial stuff because right. I did love that. But man, teaching in a criminal justice classroom and having kids look at you and go, "That's not how Abby did it on NCIS." And suppose, Child, please. Some of that is supposedly actually making its way in the courtroom, but it, you know, it, it was the fact that you know everybody can you know the the case seemed to be fairly cut and dry as far as surface level, but it became one term. And, you know, that mentality of questioning, per se, got me into one term, which was the cop in the murder investigation said late model vehicle. And it was an error by the teacher that the late model vehicle, he the individual had a 65 Mustang. And a late model vehicle is the ones that are just coming off the line. And, right. And so that one little term got everything, you know, but it was that fact that, you know, you went below, beyond the surface. Right. Beyond, you know, <laughs> going back to the one assignment that you love from our daughters, two plus two equals four. Oh, why? Lord. And, uh, you know, so as you said, there there are some topics, some that, you know, two plus two is just going to equal four. It's trying just to, four. Trying to understand the why behind it, but understanding the question, getting into why, and understanding that learned debate is good. Right. And, and understanding how to do that. So, um, <coughs> last thought, <coughs> golly, I'm a kink quick off and all of a sudden last thoughts, education versus schooling. So, what do you got? Uh, so for, for me, it is, this is learn from everyone and everything. There is not a single opportunity. If you have a chance to have a learned debate with somebody, go ahead. It's respectful, um, and you too can have a different side. And the thing is, their side may not be right. Your side may not be right. But together, believe it or not, you can. 
And so whether that's in the classroom with your professor, it's got to be respectful. Don't be, you know, walk in and say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. It's this. But if you have that conversation as the professor in the classroom, have that discussion. Take it. Hey, y'all may never realize, but you may end up writing a paper together a year from now on on how you've just changed the new profession. Uh, but, you know, be like Louie in the 1904 uh, World's Fair. He ran out of dishes to serve his ice cream. He wanted to sell more ice cream. So now we have waffle cones. So now we have waffle cones. And thank you, Louie, for right? that. <laughs> you know, so. Like, it, big props, man. Yeah, yeah right? You know, e- even now. So, uh, you know, that that is it. Learn from everything. If, if, if it, you know, at first you don't succeed, try again. But, uh, you know, learn, learn from everything. Learn from everybody. Right. All right. So t- tip of the week time. Are you ready for tip of the week time? It is tip of the week time. All right. Am I going first this week? Yes. Okay. So my tip of the week is to write it down. Um, are you listening? Because I feel like you need to hear this tip of the week, dear. Um, You've already written it down for me. I have so. written it down for you. <laughs> All right, so my tip is to write it down. I am a huge fan of writing things down. Every day I have this book. It's just a a blank journal-style notebook that I write what I need to get accomplished in. It's kind of like a task list. And then as things pop up throughout the day, I add them to the list. Now, this came about because for years I relied on my memory to make sure that I was getting everything done. And I finally realized that not only was that not always working for me because life had just gotten too hectic, it was also teaching our kids bad habits because I watched both of them do the same thing. I'll just remember it. I don't have to write it down. Um, and when I would ask them because things weren't going well, um, they were forgetting things, uh, and I would sit down with them, ask them, you know, why, what's going on? And they said, well, they, I don't need to write it down because I can remember it just like you do. And I was like, oh, that's not great. And then I realized my students are kind of the same way. Um, same deal. You know, I have this project. It's due in three weeks. I'll remember it, whatever. Once I had that realization and I started getting really, really intentional about writing things down, it has made a huge difference. There are times... Um, that I will even write things down in the middle of teaching. Uh, and I, sometimes I can do it while I'm teaching. Sometimes I'm like, hold on a second, y'all. Let me write this down so we don't forget it. Uh, I am not above looking at one of my uh, more type A students as we're talking about something, being like, hey, do me a favor, shoot me an email so that I can remember this by the time I get back to my office and get settled back in. Um, but it's made a huge difference. It's made a huge impact, not only in the way I live, but it is also helping me sleep better because I used to lay awake at night and think through all the things that I didn't get done that day and just keep a running tally in my head so that I wouldn't forget them the next day. It has also made a difference in the way our kids are operating and the way that my students are operating. They're starting to write things down because they can, they have seen that, Hey, This is like acceptable. It's helpful. This is an easy way to help us keep things straight in the busyness of what's going on around us. It's like I've given them an out. You know, it's like I looked at them and said, it's okay. You don't have to remember it all. Uh, So write it down. And and I, and I don't until, and for some reason, 
Uh, my brain always picks it up on the day that we've got to do something, and it's like uh, crisis management. And, and while that's uh, an area I like, uh, living life in crisis mode doesn't always uh, work. I don't like when you live life <laughs> in crisis mode because it puts me in crisis mode. So I'm actually going to... Uh, I believe it kind of goes along with our theme for today as well. But uh, believe it or not, just yesterday, uh, a thing popped up through my social media. And I really kind of thought it was a good idea. And it's, it basically just said, hey, doing this thing, if you're interested, uh, send back I'm in. And what it is is you you buy a book, you send it to this person, you put it in, the next person you do. They send this person a book and they put yours and and so everybody kind of passes this along and I really think it's a good idea you know it's it's kind of reaching out and and bringing back kind of community together and I think in our schools it's something that we can do in in our in our in our communities in itself find something to kind of expand that community especially in in the world of COVID today uh, you know go around your school and, and send out an email. It's like, Hey, let's do this book exchange. Like I found this, somebody else may find it good and, or, or it could be good ideas or it just could be good deeds. Uh, but find something to help out your community and, you know, utilize the resources that we have today, uh, to make that happen. So as we conclude today, we'd like to say, we always look forward to recording these episodes and engaging with each one of you. However, without your feedback, we do not know what you're thinking, so please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform, but also don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Perfect Chaos, and the number seven, and on Instagram, at Perfect Chaos 7. And you can also reach us uh, personally with Rhonda at... At D-R-R Blevins. And mine is at D-S-Blev, D-S-B-L-E-V. And also, don't forget, you can find us on our newest edition, our website. Uh, you've heard us talk about it the last couple of weeks, but you can find us at the website, www.perfect-chaos.org. There you can find out more information about Rhonda and I, as well as see our blogs, visit our most recent episodes as kind of our center point now. You can get to everything uh, as well. If you're following us uh, on the anchor.fm platform, you can hit the message button and send us a voice message. We'd love to include those, and we're still uh, looking for some more. Uh, talking about our last episode, uh, we, we asked for your uh, feedback, so please don't forget to send us a voice message. We've also opened up the listener support tab in Anchor as well. If you feel led, you can help support the co podcast with a small donation that will be used to expand our capabilities. But until next week, remain calm in your perfect chaos.